All right. Good morning to listeners out in uh, 2XX Radio Land. Uh, welcome to News from the Drug War Front. My name is Jeff and my co-presenter is Marion. Good morning to you, Bans. Good morning, Jeffrey. Good morning, listeners. How are we all this morning on this very chilly, windy morning? Yeah, I got a surprise again. Put on a short sleeve shirt, yeah. uh, stepped out the door and no. thought... Uh, that was a poor choice. Yeah, <laughs> not a good idea. Back inside and change it. Yeah, so I put on a couple of layers this morning too. Yeah, it's all over the place, isn't it? Yeah. It, and it went crazy yesterday, Geoffrey. Yeah? Yeah. It went from being reasonably warm to all of a sudden we had hail and snow and, you know, two degrees feels like minus six. Yeah. Just crazy. Top of 14. Anyway, anyway. Welcome, listeners, to today's edition of News from the Drug War Front, which is brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, and the Connection, Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for First Nations clients. News from the Drug War Front uh, promotes the broader array of services, uh, which is ever-increasing, provided by Karma, and we also report on stories relevant to illicit drug users uh, from Australia and also around the world, and we also hope to promote discussion and uh, education about the need for different approaches to dealing with the harms caused by problematic drug use in a world of prohibition. Indeed we do. Um, Karma and The Connection provide a wide range of services, uh, such as advocacy, peer treatment support, opioid maintenance treatment, hepatitis C treatment, uh, education, art therapy, support groups, rehab services dealing with stigma and discrimination, which we always have to be careful about, mentoring and referrals. Um, more recently, Karma has initiated a women's support group for uh, women for whom who have CYPS um, in, involvement in their lives, a really difficult issue to be managing, um, Contact Louise on 62533643, which is Karma and the Connections um, landline. landline number. Uh, Karma is based at 54 Benjamin Way and uh, the Belcon and Churches Centre at Shop 17 on Level 1. The drop-in hours are 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday to Friday and contact can be made on that landline number that I just read out, 62533643. Um, awesome. Don't forget that the first We've got a few things coming up we, And we need to discuss them The change in the drug laws Which is min, Not 28th great, of October But it, it is the 28th effect. of October Jeff and I will be discussing that during the news Because it's an issue Upcoming is also the overdose recognition Overdose awareness day Which will be the 28th uh, 28th is the change of drug legislation. 24th is the day for Family the, and Friends for Drug Law Reforms Day true. is the 23rd, Monday 23rd. the 23rd. Okay. It's the 28th um, yes, ceremony. Yes, it's the ceremony, yeah. but it's a, that's when we will remember all our friends and relatives and, in fact, even those who we've alienated. It's always a very emotional day. Dying every yeah. year in relatively ever-increasing numbers and for what reason? Because they don't know what's in their drugs well, or they... One of the great things this year is um, Chris Goff will be only the second peer ever to speak. Uh, at the ceremony. That's Sione right. was the first. That's right. And also we've got Chris, who's the Executive Director of Karma, as a special guest on the radio show next week oh, that's good. to clarify 
what the decriminalisation laws that come into effect on the 28th actually, actually mean. mean. What they contain well, and what it means for users. And oh, that's really important because the misinterpretation of those laws has been pretty rampant. I think people have been having a look. When they see decriminalisation, they read illegal, I mean legalisation, and that's not the case. So we'll talk to Chris about that next week, but it's important that people remember it's not doesn't mean that you won't lose your drugs. The police are still They'll able still to confiscate, confiscate them. Yep. They're still against the law, just they have minor penalties, not major ones. But uh, it'd be great having Chris to just clarify for people Indeed. and our community exactly what the laws entail. Yep. Um, just a couple of other uh, things to, to promote. Uh, every Thursday uh, at the Karma office is a medical clinic, That's which has right. a nurse and a doctor. Every Thursday, 10am till 2, yep. no appointment necessary, which is pretty uh, convenient. And again, that's um, Shop 17. Yeah, in the office. For Benjamin Way of Karma. Bill Connan, yep. There's the pinprick uh, testing for hepatitis C, which is done daily. Yep. And you get a $40 payment if you haven't been tested in the last six months. Uh, so keep that in mind. Um as Mary mentioned, there's the women's group. Um, we've got the Homeless Connect event coming up. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, Jeffrey. The uh, Early Morning Centre uh, is conducting, at 69 Northbourne Avenue, Canberra, is conducting a, a Canberra Connect, Canberra Homeless Connect um, event. You don't need to pay and you don't need to register. You just turn up at the Early Morning Centre on the 19th of October, which is, what, just a few days, three days away, Jeffrey? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so they'll be, uh, they're open from 11am till 3pm on Thursday. This event will be conducted. Food, clothes, health services, mental health services, alcohol and other drug support, financial uh, counselling, legal help, toiletries, sanitary products, which is really important because women on the street have a, you know, doubly harder time. Coffee, haircuts, dental care items, youth services, uh, laundry services, makeup, pet supplies, and much, much more. So, if you are on the street, if you're just listening to your radio, if you know someone who's on the street, and God knows I do, tell them to come along. I know people who are homeless now. Tell them to go along and or yeah, be a part of the early morning centres um, outreach program. Yep. Just come in to them, get some food, and meet people who are just want to help sorry that sounds really patronizing who just are there for you to make use of with yep. a great range of services i'm really yeah. pleased to see that look it's good, good to see it back on um karma used to attend uh every year yep. and also uh provide uh whatever we could as well as the other organizations and it was amazing the range from clothes to yep. like you said um uh, well, females. haircuts, makeup, yeah. sanitary products. Yeah, the exactly. things that people forget about. Haircuts in particular. You can't look neat. So unless what was the date of that again? Decent haircut. The date for that's the uh, 19th of October. Right. From 11am to 3pm. So that's Thursday. And that's um, at the United Church, is this it? This week. Yeah, it is. Today's the 17th. The, uh, 69 Northbourne Avenue. 69 yep. Northbourne Avenue, yeah. The early morning centre. Yeah, it's behind. It's part of the Uniting Church. Uh, yeah. So go there for brekkie and then you can stay there for the event. I can highly recommend mm. it. Um, we've also got the uh, Healthy Ageing Group, which uh, you and I have ah, been yeah. a part of, which 
the first... Uh, so there's another meeting of that this week yeah, on Thursday? we're doing pottery. I think the um, attempts that we did week one come back glazed. And, yeah. Um, oh, good. Yeah, okay. It's uh, going to be quite exciting. Yeah, so that's every fortnight every on fortnight. Thursday. So it's this Thursday and then a fortnight. Yeah, at, as at, well. at the Scout Hall uh, on Lake Ginandera. On Lake Ginandera, indeed. Yeah. Um, also, I just want to promote the Calm website because a lot of the information that we talk about that you might miss. Um, and we look a lot of articles that we have too, Jeffrey, are put on the website, and we don't often read them out because they're too long or they're just not. It doesn't go with the conversation. So, but they often will be on the website. So, yeah. um, yes, get but, in, look at that. Yeah, that's the news from the drug war front. Website. Facebook page, That's yeah. right. But the Karma website is excellent. Um, Mitch has done an uh, AI uh, uh, bot, I think you call it, where it can answer yes, basic questions. questions. Basic yeah. questions, yes. You were talking to me about that last week. Jeffrey is really, it's really intriguing, impressive. yeah. Uh, but if it's not an answer to your satisfaction, you can always call Karma and yeah. get the details. Well, and remembering that the you know artificial intelligence will always be somewhat limited by what's put into it, yeah. You know, about the input, it's improving as yeah. time goes along. Inevitably, um, okay. the opio- next opioid overdose res- res- recognition and response workshop will be the first Tuesday of November. It will because we've just had the other one last week or the week before. Um, still six two five three three six four three. You get paid to attend that workshop too. You also get equipped with uh, Nixoid or the naloxone um, nasal spray that, and learn how to use it properly. Also learn how to do um, when, how and when it is appropriate to do uh, artificial respiration or, or heart uh, massage. So it's we, how to save a life basically yep. because we talk about that every week and we have the memorial service for that at the end of this month. Yeah, look, if you haven't been into karma since we moved to Belconnen, um, you know, you've got come some in. spare time, come and, and mm. check it out. It's uh, it's expanding. We're actually uh, renting some more space in the same building but oh, higher right? up because um, okay. uh, it was sort of chock-a-block at the well, moment. yeah, it's pretty compact, isn't yeah, it? I mean, Intimate. It was, it was <laughs> a reasonable size. Well, it'll give but, you a bit more room for, to see people, to talk yeah. to people and a bit more discretion. Uh, more of an opportunity for people to talk about their issues without being overheard by the rest of the staff. Exactly. And any other visitors who happen to be there. So, yeah, I'm pleased to hear that, Geoffrey. Taylor asked me to mention that the barbecues this week are at Oaks Estate on Mm -hmm. this Wednesday, 11.15 till 1. tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, and on Friday at Veterans Park. Okay. Same time as Friday, 11.15 till 1 o'clock. And that's across the road from uh, the early early morning, morning centre. Yeah. yeah. So as you can see, Karma is up to uh, many services and programs. And, yeah, a lot uh, of project, individual projects. That, uh, so that if you need, And look, if you just want to know what's going on, ring Karma and find out what's yeah. on the timetable. There's plenty well, of stuff happening for you and for your friends and your associates. Indeed. Okay, this news from the Drug Warfront uh, reports on news stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world. Many of the articles featured come from uh, sources, including the mainstream media. Uh, the contents of this broadcast slash podcast not necessarily reflect the views and policies of karma and the connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and we do not promote illegal activity. 
However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma uh, focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provisions of programs, which we've just discussed, that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. All right, thought I might go to the first song. I haven't played this for a while. It's uh, PJ Harvey mm. uh, from her album Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea. And the name of the track is The Whore's Hustle and The Hustler's Whore. Mm. PJ Long Harvey. Long time no here. Oh, no. 
Oh, right. That was uh, PJ Harvey. And it certainly was. She's got a po- powerful voice, Jeffrey, hasn't she? Oh, she does. Um, when you think about that clip that she does with... Um, Nick Cave. With Nick Cave, where her voice is really soft and, and gentle because of the nature of the song, I guess, but that's a very different... Tone. That's when they were having a relationship too, which comes through in the video. (laughs) That was the horse hustle and the hustle's whore. Okay, we're going to move on to our first story, and this is from the Sydney Morning Herald, and it's about the um, disappointment uh, that people have with the new Labor government in uh, New South Wales about uh, pill testing. Anyway, it's by Amber Schultz, uh, October the 15th. Uh, the Greens want debate on pill testing after deaths at a music festival. Mm. The Greens are trying to pressure New South Wales Parliament to debate their bill for a pill testing trial following the death of two, me- uh, two men at a music festival in Sydney last month. Mm. Greens member of the Legislative Council, Kate Fairman, will present her drug-checking bill for a second reading. It would allow organisations, including festival organisers, to apply for one of three mobile licences and one fixed site licence to conduct pill testing. The New South Wales government has no plans whatsoever to introduce pill testing, with Labor Premier Chris Minns arguing that it's not a one-stop solution for preventing drug deaths. Quote, I don't want to give anyone an impression that pill testing is a silver silver bullet that will stop every harm happening at a festival, he said last week. Chris Minns has said he would uh, not consider pill testing or any other major reforms until after a promised drug summit takes, pla- takes place. That summit is yet to be scheduled, so nothing's happening. Mm. <laughs> pill testing may test for the... Pre- this, is, this really annoyed me, Marion. Uh, Chris Minns is quoted saying, pill testing may test for the presence of particular compounds in a pill or capsule, but not all. It also doesn't take into into account an individual's physiology. It therefore does not indicate a pill is safe to consume. Now, this is actually wrong. Um, The testing is actually very high tech. It tells the purity of the drug that's been brought in and any contaminants or adulterants. And nobody ever says at any drug checking facility that a drug is safe. It is a relative term. That's a great point. It's the same. And that's a really important point. It's about relative safety. It's about how safe are we anyway and can we be made safer by drug checking or pill testing. Exactly. Uh, Kate Fairman hopes to garner support from the crossbench with the legalised cannabis uh, member of the Legislative Council, Jeremy Buckingham, and Labor's Stephen Lawrence voicing their support for pill testing in the Parliament last week. Under the proposed law, licence holders would be uh, required to inform the Chief Health Officer, the New South Wales Police Commissioner and the New South Wales Health Deputy Secretary about new contaminants and drugs with high potencies within 24 hours and submit a report of their findings to be tabled in the Parliament. I would hope they'd be required to uh, tell users too. Uh, Well, yes. It follows the death of two festival goers at the uh, Knockout Outdoor Festival at the Sydney Showgrounds in Olympic Park in late September. Mm, indeed. How many people constitutes a catastrophe, I think. The article goes on. Fairman said the government did not need new legislation to set up pill testing, but the bill would pres- put pressure on them to act. 
Uh, Fairman said, I want pill testing available before and after the drug summit to demonstrate that it's possible and can be done very quickly, she said. The testing services exist to alert drug users to dangerous contaminants and to educate people about the risks involved and strategies to stay safe, Fairman said. But she warned that these safeguard measures would be useless without a change in policing tactics. Quote, people at festivals are no doubt going into the toilet cubicles and taking their drugs all at once because there are so many police and dogs walking through the crowds, she said. Harm Reduction Australia and Pill Testing Australia President Gino Van Bumbaka said drug checking services could not operate without the support of government and the police. The bill would remove any doubt about our permission to operate. He said, politicians are way behind the community when it comes to what people support. This is a public pro health program to help people get home safely. It's not promoting or condoning drug use. A 2019 Australian election study found, a survey, found that 63% of Australians supported pill testing. Housing Minister Rose Jackson and Transport Minister Joe Halen previously voiced their support for pill testing, although were later rebuked by Mins for making, quote, running commentary, end quote, on that issue, and which is a problem. I think Chris Mins needs to step down and have a review his emotional connection to this issue because he sounds like something somewhere along the line has gone wrong for him and he's really promoting a very unhealthy approach to drug use and drug users. Well, there's lots of reports that were commissioned by Gladys. Very um, indeed. That came up with the recommendation. It sounds like Minns is doing more of the same as the Liberal government. What? Why has he not changed his attitude? A lot of people are asking that very question, Marion. Mm, um, they were hopeful that there would be at least some, you know, maybe minor uh, reforms, but, especially with but to be doing nothing until a alleged summit occurs and not set a date for the summit is like saying don't breathe until I tell you. It's on the never, just, never. You, just, yeah. How can you not breathe until I tell? People don't stop taking drugs until a drug summit. It doesn't work that way, Jeff. And he was, you know that I know that he was sent a, a letter warning of this very risk of uh, deaths at music festivals, signed by. 20 leading um, organisations from the alcohol and other drug sector. Indeed. So it's not like he hasn't been informed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the research that was conducted into the drug death overdose or the pill death overdoses at other music festivals before Berejiklian left office. Oh, it's a mountain of evidence. There are 150 recommendations or so that had nothing done about The report was just put under at the bottom of the pile and not even referred to by her ever again. The other thing, Marion, that um, is continuing is the uh, situation where police walk around with sniffer dogs around uh, railway stations and public places, hotels. And in trains. Yeah. yeah and at festivals, music festivals, and they intimidate people. Oh, people... Um, yeah, are threatened. Indeed, um, they are. Going about their the business. The uniform is sufficient to threaten anyone, Geoffrey. I mean, not, I think everyone is intimidated by police and by drug sniffer dogs. And I think that the history of New South Wales policing at music festivals has is so fraught with um, 
people over policing with over policing of you know drugs and and drug users the, and they're identifying people they think look like drug users and therefore investigating whether they are carrying drugs so yeah, people yeah. yes are swallowing all their drugs at once because they're frightened it's all very of being identified and picked out from the music festival arrested charged and not only do they not get to see their music <laughs> but they don't don't get to um, dispose of the drugs sensibly. Yeah. If they, you know, just threw them away, someone would pick them up and take them. It's just not safe the way it it's is. It's not Jeff. healthy we policy. We don't want to kill people like that. No, and um, one don't of the, want to kill people at all. One of the good things that one of the Greens uh, MLCs has been behind, I think since 2011, is mm. Sniff Off, where they actually take photos ah, yes. of yeah, yeah. police and their dogs. And post That's it on right, social media. Bring it on site, yeah. So people are made aware of where, where places the police are to avoid like. or to mm. be wary, which I think is um, really good. And actually, I've, I've become one of their. Um, they give you a star if you've um, oh, made really? a lot of comments, or you know, good on you. Uh, it's one of those sort of you know social media um, things to reward people that are. Interested in a particular... Uh, oh, look, I think it's a, it was a great initiative and a really clever thing to do, what you can do as a civilian or just in a, um, what do we call it, a class kind of action. Well, there is a class just action. just to do stuff like that is actually to identify the place, the locations of police and their drug sniffer dogs and let people know. Yeah. Um, now, it's interesting you raised class action because I forgot to mention that there is currently a class action going through the New South Wales courts is that right? about um, teenage girls who were strip searched inappropriately. Often, I don't know that there is an appropriate way to strip search a teenage girl anyway, Jeffrey. but yes, I Well, you I, need I female police officers for a start. Um, but yeah, but it's, just, that's a, but it's not an appropriate thing to do. Do you know what I mean? That's strip searching in a public place. Yeah. But, it's just not an appropriate thing to do at full stop. Well, evidently, a lot of the situations have been in public yep. with uh, male police and also male yep. uh, sort of assistants who are in training. And I remember we had actually discussed this, Jeffrey, and we had had it acknowledged um, through some media out release that said that the only thirty percent of the people, the police, had been trained in um, search and su- searching. People, yeah, the figure yeah. I saw was that 60% of New South Wales police were unaware of the protocol of New South Wales yeah. police. But the, in, in fact, that's, but I think the media release said they were untrained on well, how to, tra- how to. Um, so I mean unaware, untrained, much the same thing I guess, but it, the problem is they don't know how to do it. Well, it's a serious problem. And it's a, yeah, it's absolutely. Shouldn't be doing it. If you're going to do it, it should do it be done properly. properly. Yeah. And find out what properly means. I'm so sick of this human rights compliance and how to do things properly and what are the procedures for this, that and the other. Who knows what they are? Find out what they are. Well, Don't just undertake it. The outcome of this court case will be fascinating because if In the police do. lose, there'll be um, compensation for the uh, the young girls. Particularly who are tr- for that young yeah, girl. Yeah, could be. Traumatising. It's humiliating, Jeffrey. Demoralising and traumatising, indeed. Yeah, in the least. And yeah. it could leave, you know, permanent scars. I oh, mean, the um, audacity. Oh, look, the audacity, really. The whole they, concept is just given inappropriate. A, given a uniform, people have the capacity to undertake any kind of action. You know, policing equals 
the right to act. And it seems, there, and that's just wrong. Aren't there more important things to be you investigating? You would think so, yes. Yeah. All right, we've got the national news coming up and then we shall return. So, yes, um, indeed. Off to the national news. Okay. All right, it's four minutes after 11, and welcome back to News from the Drug Warfront, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy. All right, there's one um, uh, event which I failed to promote, and I actually, for some reason, don't have the date, but it's Hep C testing at Ainsley Village, and also the uh, Venoscope will be there from 10 a.m. So if people are interested in that or live at Ainsley Village or are nearby, um, give Karma a call on 62533643 and just check what the date is for that um, Ainsley Village Hep C testing and Venoscope program coming up. Okay. Um, Yeah, just want to uh, thank TXX for their support for uh, Karma's show, which has been on air for nearly 20 years, and 2XX has been on air for, I think, 47 years. It's the second longest uh, community radio station uh, in Australia, and they've got a radiothon uh, in effect. Yeah, it's the 47th year of people-powered radio, uh, 47 years delivering specialist shows and talks, uh, and vol- as volunteers, we do it for love, but there are bills to pay. So if you have some spare cash, uh, consider becoming a financial supporter. Um, most of these shows aren't heard on mainstream radio and are done as a labour of love by uh, the people who make the shows. And there are so many subjects that are covered and um, genres of music that you wouldn't hear anywhere else. Uh, 2XX is a really um, special community asset. Okay, um, I thought I would play another song and then we'll get into some more stories. This is, uh, it's uh, Everlast and it's uh, entitled uh, The Ends. Everything must change. Their mother old ends. Rats snitch on one another old ends. Sometimes kids get murdered old ends. So before we go any further, I want my ends. I knew this happening, Bill. He didn't have a dollar. He was all the material. I believe Scholar had a PhD. MBA, but now he's waiting tables cause it's rent to pay. Companies downsizing, inflation's rising. Can't find a job, he's feeling kind of stressed. Doesn't even feel the effects when he says. Forgot to count how many times they've been blessed. So he falls off track, starts smoking the crap. And once it hits his brain, starts to chain react. Tells the shirt off his back, shoes off his feet. He's losing all his teeth, now he's out in the street. Sudden is like Jesse James trying to stick up his holding watches and chains. But he's from business school and he's nervous with the tools. So he ends up on his back in a bloody pool for the hands. Some people were robbed, they mother for the hands. Rats snitch on one another for the hands. Sometimes kids get murdered. 
they rock the flock, yeah. Brand name women, champagne waving. Shoes around the neck, lifestyle she's craving. Ain't no saving, she's doing all spending. If you do the lending, she'll do the bending. Straight machine bending, it's money to take. Shopping sprees, get her on her knees. And if you hit her with the keys of your crib, you acting funny. Come home one day, find a counting out your money. All the way to the Apollo If you're broke, she's spitting If you're rich, she might swallow for the ends Some people will rob their mother That was Ends uh, from the Whitey Ford Sings the Blues album by Everlast. Mm. It's uh, 11 minutes after 11. You're with Jeff and Marion in Studio One of 2XX People Powered Radio, 98.3 FM. Now, one of the issues that I think we've been lucky with so far, Marion, is the um, issue of fentanyl. Which, and it not, you know, not being widely available in Australia as yet. Unlike North America where it cut a swathe of Indeed. fatal overdose. But Particularly anyway. the United States, but also Canada. Oh, Canada big time. Mm. Got a piece from uh, riotact.com, uh, which is a Canberra-based uh, focused website. A warning from Canada as fentanyl poses potential threat to Aussie communities by Michael Murphy, riotact.com, October the 18th. The illicit manufacture and importation of fentanyl and other synthetic opioids pose a threat to Australian communities that cannot be overstated. 
Fentanyl is a strong opioid-based painkiller used in controlled conditions by medical practitioners, but is increasingly used illegally to lace other drugs, such as heroin, cocaine and methamphetamine, while it has also been made in tablet form. The substance is reportedly 20 to 40 times stronger than heroin and 100 times more powerful than morphine. It, that changes, it changes on a yeah, weekly basis, it does. doesn't it, Jeffrey? It was 50 times stronger than heroin last week and a 1,000 times when we first got the information, so it depends on who does the media release, I reckon. Exactly. Uh, considered an epidemic in the United States, fatal overdoses from fentanyl were responsible for the deaths of 109,680 people in that country in 2022, while Canada has also been gripped by uh, the devastating crisis. Canada shares many social and cultural similarities with Australia, and it is perhaps through the tragedy of fatal drug overdoses that rural and metropolitan region, regions of Australia can heed a warning. Of all the apparent accidental opioid toxicity deaths in Canada from January to March 2023, 81% involve fentanyl. The number rises to 93% when the province of Alberta is examined individually. The illicit manufacture of fentanyl in Australia is not common, but considering that drug overdoses per capita in Australia are worse in rural areas and amongst Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, the importation of the substance does pose a serious threat to regional areas. The Australian Federal Police seized 11 kilograms of the substance in 2022 when it was illegally transported through the Port of Melbourne. That shipment, which originated in Canada, was enough to produce more than 5 million doses of the deadly drug. Mm. The issue is further complicated, the article goes on, in Australia by a recent detection of nitazines in heroin. Nitazines are a synthetic opioids from the benzimidazole group that cannot be detected by fentanyl test strips. Well, and that's one of the issues, I think. Uh, I just saw a, a person downstairs who has been charged with um, manufacture and um, distribution of a non-opioid-based but opioid-like substance. So it has the effects of opioid, but it's not on the list of illicit drugs. Wow. It's not in the, it may be in the nitazine group, but it's just a, an interesting concept that's not on the list yet, so it's not strictly speaking illegal. However, being charged with the, the making of that drug is an issue in itself. Okay, the North American crisis is said to have originated from uh, the direct marketing of over-the-counter opioids such as oxycodone. Australia restricts the marketing of pharmaceuticals to consumers, but these laws do not lessen the danger of the growing illicit market, inevitably, I would say. New South Wales Health had issued several public warnings on the dangers of fentanyl and other synthetic opioid substances such as isotope, isotonitazine, which has reportedly been responsible for overdose overdose fatalities on the New South Wales Central Coast. Wagga Wagga has seen the dangers of fentanyl with overdoses from the prescribed substance in the past, while several years ago there was also the case of professional malpractice via the overprescription of the drug. Incidental deaths from prescription fentanyl are on decline in this country, but several government departments and institutions such as Monash University are urging Australians to become aware of the drug's illicit manufacture and its subsequent dangers. 
Reports also suggest that Australia is ill-equipped to handle a drug crisis of the scale fentanyl and other synthetic opioids would bring. Well, especially if we can't test for it, Jeffrey, I would think that's mm. a great danger. This problem would be more, even more acute among regional communities due to the distance and the already stretched health resources. Yeah, now on the positive side, to combat the growing issue, the Australian government has made nearly $20 million available over four years to provide free naloxone without prescription. That's the overdose, opioid overdose reversal drug, which may not be useful in things like nitazine. But it certainly um, it's will certainly work with opioids. It's certainly a step forward, yes. Uh, this initiative will keep people alive in many situations, but the abject horror of these varied substances and the despicable nature of those who produce them will pose an immediate threat to its uh, success. The use of xylazine, a veterinary tranquilizer by drug dealers as a mixer in conjunction with fentanyl, can render naloxone ineffective in many cases. Indeed. The potency of fentanyl can be further illustrated by the swiftness in which it can result in a fatality. A time frame of two to five minutes leaves a very small window for the application of medicines such as naloxone. All of this may seem very far from home to regional readers, but the rise of synthetic opioid abuse in North American cities and towns has displayed how rapidly the drug can negatively impact communities. This has happened in part because drugs such as fentanyl are incredibly addictive and the fact that they're often used by drug dealers as a cheap additive to other drugs. Mm. which is, happens in a black market, as we often say. Mm. This practice leaves users unaware of their presence and at great risk of a fatal overdose. At greater risk. Greater think, risk. Yeah. Fentanyl derivatives such as carfentanyl uh, make the problem even more severe that, by that being... That word should be exacerbate. Yeah, it says exasperate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it is exasperating, but it's exac exacerbate is the word it's meant to be, E-X-A... R-C-E-B-A-T-E. -E. I know Jack will text in and probably fix, correct my spelling, but anyway, exacerbate is concludes, important. with Australia having a, a history of following North American drug trends, the current fentanyl crisis is an opportunity for the, federal, for the Australian government, medical professionals and the general public to educate themselves on the devastation caused by these drugs. Mm. So we've been lucky so far with fentanyl, but touch wood, we stay... Um, Lucky. Do yeah. you want to do the short piece, Gas Station Heroin? I just yeah, okay. found this one uh, bizarre. Gas Station Heroin, Florida bans sale of new drug. This is uh, by Connor Hansen, October the 10th. The state of Florida is warning about a new drug that they're calling Gas Station Heroin. The Attorney General of Florida, Ashley Moody, passed an emergency rule making the drug Tyaneptine illegal before it was sold at gas stations, convenience stores and online. The drug has been bottled as a dietary supplement, sometimes called Pegasus, Tiana or Zaza Red. It's just a constant, constant, constant barrage of new stuff that you can get high with, said Luis Delgado, a certified addiction professional. He said it's just impossible to keep up with. Delgado said the drug mimics opioids but isn't quite the same. Mm, I think this is the point that I was raising before, Jeffrey. And I'd just say, look, then... That implies that the drug was, um, they were trying to get into it before it was sold at gas stations, convenience stores and online. In fact, what the sentence reads is, 
before or prior to identifying it, it was sold, it's already been sold, sold at gas stations, convenience yeah. stores and online, which is a bit of a problem in that it's already on the market, Jeff. yeah? But now they've given it a new name. And yeah. yeah anyway, the article goes on. Delgado says you're going to end up doing more of this to try to get the same feeling and unfortunately by the time you take enough of this to get that feeling, you may accidentally harm yourself because you don't know what else is in it. Only argues the point for drug checking, I would have thought. Delgado said, Florida's Poison Control Centre had 15 exposure calls in the first half of this year. The Attorney General's office said the drug has killed five people across the country. Moody hopes to make the ban permanent. Quote, this ban is temporary, but I will work with lawmakers this year on a permanent ban ahead of our legislative session, Moody said. This action will save lives. I would say... Temporarily. Yeah, and the, until something else comes out. It's written up the top, probably, I would think, by you. This is an antidepressant. It's actually an antidepressant, yeah. not an opioid so at all. So it's already on the market yeah. anyway, and it's not necessarily, doesn't need to be sold, gas stations, convenience centres and online because it's available on prescription. Exactly. Yeah. All right, we'll go to a song and then we've got some more stories. This is Radio Birdman and uh, The Hand of War.
right, it's 11.26, you're listening to news from the drug war front uh, from Studio One to XX People Powered Radio. Uh, we're going to go to the UK. There's an interesting uh, piece by Daniel Keane, October the 13th, delivering opioid overdose treatment kits by drone could help reduce drug deaths. Uh, just, you know, we hear about drones being used for all sorts of things. Mm. Here's the use that's actually positive. Delivering opioid overdose reversal kits by drone, like naloxone, could help stem drug-related deaths in the UK, a study has found. Researchers from King's College London found that drones could reach 78% of fatal opioid overdoses within seven minutes, a massive increase on the 14% reached by ambulances. Naloxone is a life-saving drug which reverses or blocks the effects of opioids and rapidly restores normal breathing. Uh, paramedics routinely use naloxone responding to overdose but cannot always attend an emergency quickly due to ambulance waiting times or the location of the patient. Mm. The study found that 78% of commercial off-the-shelf drones carrying naloxone were capable of reaching an overdose location in seven minutes, the benchmark time for the arrival of an ambulance for life or limb category one calls. Researchers said the naloxone kit could be delivered to the site site of the overdose and the bystander would administer the medicine by nasal spray. Paramedics would then attend the scene as usual and deliver the patient to urgent care. Mm, if, if needed, I imagine. Um, lead author Dr Karen Copeland from King's College in London said, quote, when a person overdoses and stops breathing, every second counts. Naloxone is very effective when given at the first signs of overdose and is easy to use. She goes on to say this study shows that drones can get naloxone to the site of an opioid overdose more quickly than paramedics in an ambulance. This could make a huge difference to people's survival. She added bystanders often are leaving the scene of overdoses occurs due to fear of prosecution as illegal drugs are often present at the scene. If naloxone can reach those who need it before paramedics and law enforcement, bystanders may be encouraged to help before leaving. Dr Paul Royale from King's College in London and a first author of the study said drones have the potential to potential to revolutionise medicine delivery. A robust drone network can deliver naloxone kits efficiently. The drones under evaluation have collision detection technology, which is just what I was thinking about, so they don't fly into buildings or through airspace and are deployed using a standalone drone station. Ah, it's an interesting concept. Very isn't it? interesting. And it certainly um, could make a difference given that the availability of naloxone has not actually been picked up by individual you know, citizens and being carried with them just in case, which I would have hoped with the availability well, yeah. of free naloxone would happen. But it's the fact that it can be made quickly available to the site of an opioid overdose is terrific. I yeah, hear. I think it's very positive. Um, look, we might just follow on this uh, short piece about how the war on drugs accelerates climate crisis. Which, which is I, something we mentioned before, we mentioned but we haven't before, gone into it, but something that needs to be considered. Yeah, yep. this is by Joanna Scopel, uh, October the 14th. Uh, a recent 63-page report from the International Coalition on Drug Policy Reform and Environmental Justice reveals the hidden and insidious connection between global drug prohibition, the war on drugs and environmental destruction. Mm. The coalition's composed of individuals and organisations like Health Poverty Action, LEAP uh, Europe, SOS Amazonia, Transnational Institute and the Washington Office of, on Latin America. 
from countries including Bolivia, Brazil, Colombia, Myanmar, Netherlands and the UK. The report underscores the, quote, missing link in climate justice and asserts that their efforts will fail as, as long as those committed to environmental protection neglect to recognise and grapple with the elephant in the room. Drug policies have driven illegal operations into ecologically critical areas, Indeed. notably the Amazon, Amazon rainforest, rainforest and yeah. Southeast Asian jungles promoting environmental harm. Illegal profits are known to fuel a network of crimes leading to environmental degradation. And that's a problem. We've always known that the Southeast Asian jungles were a location, but the the spread to the, the Amazon, Amazon forest is a, it's a real, real problem. worry. Given the investment from Scandinavian countries into maintenance of the rainforests in that region, yep. but that's something I think that uh, Lula has to uh, battle with as well. Well, he's trying. Yeah. He's trying. He is indeed, and we're given credit for that. The article goes on, the report cites instances like drug trafficking in Peru linked to illegal gold mining and the cocaine trade fueling the destruction of the upper uh, Ghanaian forest of West Africa. It emphasises that the drug war has been, quote, disastrous, end quote, leading to increased drug availability, decreased prices and a rise in drug-related health issues. The paper paints a stark picture of the direct and in indirect environmental impacts of drug prohibition. It highlights the struggle of an estimated 200,000 families in Colombia who, caught in a cycle of poverty and persecution, rely on growing coca for survival. These farmers face police and military persecution, while the powerful elites at the top remain immune. The report recommends holistic drug regulation rooted in human rights and environmental justice to mitigate these harms. It stresses the need to acknowledge that, quote, current drug policies are one of the main drivers of this economic and institutional dysfunction. On a hopeful note, global trends are shifting with reforms underway in various jurisdictions. The report notes that, quote, more than half a billion people will soon be living in jurisdictions where cannabis is legal, highlighting legal markets for coca leaf in Bolivia and ongoing debates for legal coca and cocaine markets in Colombia. Really interesting stuff because all of that is following um, political transformation, particularly in Colombia, where the new president has um, been pushing legalisation of the coca, coca market leaves. Yeah, yep. and the coca leaf, yep. not just, but specifically for coca farmers themselves. Yeah, it's part of use. their culture. It yeah. is a cultural uh, issue for them. But it sort of includes something which I had rarely thought of, you know, when we think about the damage of prohibition, the obvious ones, you know, incarceration, human yep. rights abuses, bloodborne viruses, yeah. executions. Which is sort of individual individually oriented where this is more this is environmental and it becomes an immense uh, public health policy and economic uh, environmental health policy yes well the americans in latin america have been aerial spraying uh, coke of um, plantations with horrible pesticides and, and um, in the same in uh, in i think in vietnam yeah. the agent orange was oh, just was De-junglising, yeah, deforesting the whole of the, to get rid of the uh, restricted access to uh, gorilla. But forces. it just adds to the impetus that we need to um, 
do away with prohibition. Well, climate change is such a huge issue, Jeffrey, and we've always said that that's a big problem. Yeah. Connecting climate change with with the drug law, drug war, yep. is a really massive step for people to take, but it's a really important step for us to acknowledge that they are linked, they are important. Absolutely. And if people are interested, there's um, a report called Revealing the Missing Link to Climate Justice Drug Policy, and it's put out by uh, IDPC. So if you just uh, tap in, it's... Um, yeah, IDPC, probably .com or whatever. It's up here, the International Drug Policy uh, Reform and Environmental Justice. That's yeah. a report that they provided, the 63-page report. Yeah, they've got various summaries, but the full report's 63 mm. pages, but it's... I've only flicked through it, but it's... it's 63 very, pages, you need to sit down and read it intensely. Sit down and read it intensely. Just before we do that, I just want to do a shout-out, which I said I would do at the beginning of the show, for Jack and Pete, who listen regularly, and as I say, Jack is very often my editor, um, and I thank him for that, uh, and they often deliver not only information, but... Um, Songs for us to produce. And hello to Linda, who I know listens every week. And I said her uh, shout-out at the beginning of the show last week and she missed it. So now it's in the middle of the show. Well, we appreciate our regulars. Anyway, we love having our regulars listening to us. Okay, I thought I might uh, play a pretty uh, intense song. This is Rage Against the Machine and uh, Bomb. When we come back after that, will we do that one, Jeffrey? Yeah. The fentanyl one? This is Bomb Track.
All right, that was Rage Against the Machine and Bomb Track. It's 20 minutes to 12. You're listening to news from the drug war front on 2XXFM 98.3, People Powered Radio. Okay, we've got a story that uh, sort of uh, has a sort of positive take on uh, fentanyl dealers who are saying no to first-time users. I'm not about people falling out. This is by David Heights, October 15th. People who deal with drug fentanyl have begun to advise prospective buyers about overdose dangers. Three fentanyl dealers interviewed for this story under the condition of anonymity all said that they worry about people overdosing. Quote, nobody wants to die, said one dealer. He said he asked new customers if they've used fentanyl before. If they haven't, he just won't sell to them. He said uh, most danger lies in the use of fentanyl powder, which he said is purer than the blue pills containing fentanyl that people smoke off aluminium foil, also known as blues. All the drug dealers interviewed for this story said they almost always have naloxone, the antidote at the ready. I am not about people falling out, said one dealer. According to the City and County of Denver website, fentanyl is more... P- is, no, OK. Right, we're not doing that bit. That's why you hand over to me. OK, a building addicted to fentanyl. That's interesting. Fentanyl use is rampant at Fusion Studios, where the author of this story lives. The putrid smell of burning blues often fills the hallways. Quote, to save lives, we must raise awareness about the lethal effects of fentanyl while promoting strategies to reduce harm and mitigate risk, says Robert MacDonald, Executive Director of Denver Department of Public Health and Environment and Public Health Administrator for the city. Quote, people who use illicit drugs in Denver are at higher risk for fatal overdose than ever before. Opioid overdose deaths are preventable and treatment for rapid um, for opioid use disorder is available. Social workers sometimes go door to door at Fusion and pass out Narcone and well, Naloxone and fentanyl testing strips. They encourage everyone not to use drugs alone, which is a very significant point. Signs posted around Fusion make the same recommendation. Lisa Revel of Harm Reduction Action Centre, which advocates for people who use drugs, said she's not shocked to hear at uh, to hear dealers' concerns for their customers' lives. Quote, I'm not surprised. People who sell drugs look out for people who use drugs all the time. People I talk to for this story who use fentanyl say they wish they'd never started. They don't like discussing how dangerous the drug is, but they say they know they're taking their lives into their own hands every time they use it. Still, they say, cravings are fierce. Two people I interviewed said their opioid addiction started with prescription for painkillers. Not novel uh, answer, I might add. People wanting drugs often will pound on doors at Fusion, at Fusion for hours, screaming for the dealer to answer. It can be very disruptive. When they run out of money, people would trade everything for food stamps to a home-cooked meal, to a cell phone and everything that's in between for fentanyl. Yeah, it goes on to talk about a crackdown by police on fentanyl. They've begun to crack down on fentanyl dealers. Denver even created a special fentanyl unit with a $627,000 state grant. Advocacy groups for drug users oppose laws that punish dealers who sell fentanyl. That's because the laws make people afraid to call for help 
when an overdose occurs. Indeed. As overdose rates continue to rise, policymakers in many jurisdictions have responded by harshly punishing those who sell or distribute drugs, including, I might add, uh, charging people with first-degree murder. Yes, indeed. We talked about that last week, didn't we? Which is pretty Mm. full-on. One of the most egregious manifestations of this trend is the practice of charging a person who supplies the drugs involved in an overdose death with murder... As you just said. ...or drug-induced homicide. Mm. As of 2019, 20 states had statutes that create specific criminal penalties for the delivery of an illegal drug when the recipient dies as a result of ingesting the substance. And in New York, Jeffrey, they were charging a guy who who had fentanyl with the death of children because it was a childcare centre. Childcare centre. And children had been... Uh, somehow osmotically well, craw- ingested. Crawling on the carpet yeah, and it was stored underneath. Some, yeah. Well, fortunately, one baby died, but three recovered. But still, they've been charged with uh, murder. With murder, yeah. The dealers interviewed for this story said they uh, never would have started dealing if it weren't for their own habits. They said they only make enough money selling drugs to pay for their own supply. The author reached out by email to the Denver, Denver Police Department with questions about fentanyl dealers, but has not received a response. Hmm. Um, okay. One drug dealer said he sold once sold the powerful China White to opioid to five people, all five overdose, but were brought back to life with narcaine. He said, well, naloxone. He said he hasn't sold opioids since. According to the drug pop, the powerful China White to opioid to five people, all five overdose, but were brought back to life with narcaine. He said, well, naloxone. He said he hasn't sold opioids since.
Very Jimmy Johnny Winters, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Johnny Winter, uh, albino blues guitarist. Okay, it's about nine minutes to twelve in the home stretch. Uh, just a quick piece entitled "Shocking New Way That Drugs Have Been Snuck Into Australia Revealed." Now, I don't only want to do that because it says "snuck." <laughs> I think we <laughs> mentioned the English language is strange, isn't it? In I journalism, think, I think we mentioned about a ship that had stuff stuck under the hull, and yep. that seems to be... The been a couple of times that's happened now, but this one had a fatality associated with it. Ah, okay. Well, Australia's border force is struggling to contain the flow of drugs into Australia as violent drug cartels go to extreme lengths to evade authorities. That's... In a shocking 60-minutes <laughs> episode last Sunday, professional diver Jared Darcy revealed how cartels smuggling drugs through ports on the bottom of ships. Mm. One alleged cartel diver, Brazilian Bruno Borges, drowned after trying to recover a massive 50-kilo haul valued at $20 million from the bottom of a ship in the port of Newcastle in 2020. Mr Darcy said Mr Borges used the rebreather, which stops... 2022, sorry. 2022, which stops air bubbles from being released in his dive to avoid detection. Depending on the type of rebreather that he was using, if he was using 100% oxygen, that does have a depth limitation of about 10 metres. So if he was diving to collect a large quantity of drugs, that would make him a lot heavier in the water and he could have easily surpassed the 10-metre mark. Mm. Which then the diver will go into a blackout, and once you blackout underwater, the chance of drowning is quite high. Unless you're on the other end of a rope, I would think. Yeah, yeah. well, unless somebody knows you're down there. Yeah. Um, the program delivers troubling news for Australia with Border Force Commissioner Michael Outram admitting that his team only stops about 20% of drug shipments coming into the country. That means some 80% of drugs are still making their way through the streets of this country. That means carnage on the streets of our major cities as gang wars rumble over the lucrative trade. Ahmad Harachi, an undertaker at Lakemba Mosque, said people were moving out of the area to get away from the crime. The devastation, the aftermath, the collateral damage all left behind. Mm. Well, nobody sees that. The story is on the media once, maybe twice, that's it. No one sees what's left that the family has to pick up the pieces to deal with. Such drama. Mr Altram also conceded cartels had likely infiltrated every part of the supply chain, from shipping companies to port authorities. Well, I would suspect to border force too, if they're going to be honest about it. Within Australia, it's significant. It's a big problem, he said. I would say the vast majority of people I deal with in industry, they're doing the right thing. But we've identified in the last two years, looking into this problem, about 100 organisations and 1,000 people that operate at the border that really worry us, and that's what we can see. He also said Border Force officers may have been compromised. Quote, there's no organisation that can lay claim to being corruption-free or corruption-proof, he said. 
because organised crime groups need our information. They want our information. They want to know where we are, when we're going to be there and what we're not looking at. It's gold for them and we realise the value of that. 99% plus of the workforce are absolutely committed to the mission. I've got 5,700 officers. If just one of those officers, just one, is the pocket of organised crime, is in the pocket of organised crime, and they're in a job where they can access certain sensitive information, that's a big problem for us. Mr Outram is optimistic Australia can roll back the inflow of drugs and 60 minutes spoke with Dutch Director-General of Customs, Nanette van Schelven, who has had success defeating cartels in the port of Rotterdam, Europe's largest seaport. With high-tech surveillance and specialist dive team, Ms van Schelven said Dutch authorities stopped between 50 and 65% of drug shipments through the port. But the reality is nothing stops 100%. Well, I think that was interesting that Michael Outram acknowledged that 8% of drugs actually got through. That's yeah. the first time I've heard that somebody figure. on that side, on the interdiction side, actually acknowledge yeah. honestly how much was getting through yeah. or even come close to honesty, if you like. All um, right, just a quick yeah. reminder for people that uh, want to uh, check the Karma website, it's um, www.cahma.org.au or you can call uh, the landline 6253-3643 on any question or subject or advice. If they can't help you, they'll... Then they'll tell you who can. Who can, yeah. Um, They'll put you onto someone who can more likely if you're inquiring about the website in particular, yeah? Yeah, no, there's a lot of very helpful information and also some specialist um, information sheets about... uh, particular drugs that people might not be fully aware of. So, um, Look, and, and in fact, there are new ones coming onto the market all, all the, time, the time and they're not being identified, as we said earlier in the program, things that are not illegal but have one slightly manipulated chemical or chemical compound or chemical component yeah. that have changed and make them therefore not subject to the laws. New so stuff coming on the market all, all the, time, the time. And it will continue to happen while ever the drug laws are enhanced. And we so we generate new drugs Indeed. to cope with the laws. All right, well, thank you for listening. Please give us some feedback if uh, you'd like us to cover any particular issue. Don't forget we've got the Executive Director of Karma, Chris Goff, coming in next week to speak about the reality of the ACT decriminalisation laws that come into effect on the 28th of October. And what that means for you. Yeah. And And us. Yeah, and the details. So he's been uh, involved in negotiations. So it'll be great to hear from Chris. We'll leave you with the theme song of the show. This is The Stranglers. You get to hear all of it this time. Well, most of it. And Golden Brown. Bye for now. Bye. like sun lays me down with my mind she runs throughout the night no need to fight never a frown with golden brown every time just like the last on 
the ship tied to the mast to distant land.
both my hands Never a frown with golden brown Golden brown, fine attemptress Through the ages she's heading west From far away, stays for a day Never a frown with golden brown